<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Look at him, Garrett. Garrett. Well, we've made it uh, to the last panel. It's been a lot of fun for those, of you, particularly those of you who've been here throughout. Uh, we've now explained roughly 280% of the variance in the vote, and so now we're going to turn to two of the most important explanations that have been offered in the popular press. Uh, one, uh, Hillary, uh, and more generally, uh, attitudes towards women and the effect in terms of the election, and then Obamacare and uh, its effect on the election. So let me turn to uh, Walt Borges who also gets the award for producing the paper in the, under the most trying of circumstances <laughs> of all the participants. Well, first of all, thank you to the Mershon Center for, for allowing somebody who is basically uh, uh, on a 4-4 load at a teaching uh, university to, uh, to, to take over uh, from some co-authors and, uh, and do a presentation like this. I've learned a tremendous amount uh, just from listening from you, uh, to all of you. And uh, I'm actually going to try to convert this into something I can use with students. This, is, uh, this will give them sort of cutting edge stuff. I'm sure they won't appreciate it, but whatever. Um, I should also thank uh, Marianne Stewart and, and, and Harold Clark for, for asking me to do this. Um, I would not have actually gone out and bought Hillary Clinton's What Happened book had it not been for the opportunity to do this paper. Uh, as a former journalist, I do not like to uh, read political memoirs, political explanations, but hey, a good political novel. And that's really what Hillary Clinton turns out to be. <laughs> um, so anyhow, uh, one of my professors uh, many years ago told me we should always start with something uh, from Shakespeare. They said it's a very effective way. Uh, I, I thought long and hard about this, and I, I really had a hard time coming up with something. So the best I can do is um, I come not to bury Hillary Clinton or to praise her. Uh, what can I say? We've got what we, we've got. Um, Hillary Clinton, uh, we've heard so much about this in, in, in the media. Uh, she's become sort of the, this uh, lightning rod for what was wrong with the uh, 2016 elections. Our approach here is going to be much more narrow than the general theoretical approach that, that you have used. We're going to talk about the attitudes towards women uh, and their status and their roles. But in fact, we are looking at a general election uh, phenomenon that, uh, and not at the broader uh, primary uh, situation. We are basically uh, based this paper on. Um, I'm sorry, it should probably stay within the, the range of the microphone. Um, we base this on uh, basically her hypotheses about the role of sexism and misogyny in her defeat. And uh, some of this uh, information was given out prior to uh, the election. She, she started making some comments earlier on. Uh, but much of it came afterwards. And of course, the book, What Happened, becomes the, uh, the sort of the explanation. Now, I want to say something about the book. Um, how many of you have actually read it? Okay. <laughs> Not, 
<laughs> Maybe, okay, so some of you don't like political novels either, okay. Um, so maybe here's the, here's the deal. When I was reading through this thing, I, I, I got to early chapter that basically discusses uh, misogyny and sexism, and I thought, okay, well this, this sort of makes sense. It might be a little, you know, preachy, assessing blame, but what I really wanted to see was how it fit into the other factors. And the, one of the final chapters, chapters in the book is the chapter, Why? And strangely enough, misogyny and sexism are never mentioned in that that chapter. So keep that in mind as we go through this. Hillary's hypothesis. Um, basically during the 2016 campaign, you, you all remember the, the comment about the basket of deplorables, of which uh, one of the, uh, the members of that basket was sexism. Um, in uh, May 2nd, Hillary had, uh, uh, th of this year, she actually attributed her loss at a women's uh, gathering uh, to misogyny. Um, some people didn't vote for her uh, because of what, that she was a woman. Uh, so she also makes the claim in her book, as I've explained. Um, but we wanted to evaluate whether there was really any empirical evidence to support this. And at the same time, look at whether there are attitudes towards women's roles and statuses related to voting in the 2016 election. So basically, um, Clark and Stewart had included, uh, had, had bought into the uh, CCES uh, with a module that included six questions on women's roles and statuses. Um, these were used to create an indices, um, index, I'm sorry, uh, of you, uh, to basically evaluate what were those attitudes, and then we're going to put them into a model that controls for many of the usual suspects. Um, Basically, six-item index, progressive attitudes uh, would be indicated by the high schoolers. I'm going to jump ahead here. Um, these are the six questions. There's a lot of equality between men and women in the United States. Number two, the proper role of, for women is to be good wives and good mothers. Three, new parents, both mothers and fathers, should get leave from their jobs to take care of their newborns. Number four, Women often earn lower salaries than men for doing the same jobs. Number five, most people generally feel threatened by women who are strong. Number six, qualified women can get promoted to higher jobs as easily as qualified men. And as you see, we have a five-point scale uh, with the don't know uh, category as well. So we use a multivariate model with controls for all sorts of the usual suspects. Candidate images, party identification, evaluations of Obama's uh, performance on important issues, evaluations of the economy. Also the attitudes towards particularly salient issues in this election, Affordable Care Act, immigration, same-sex marriage, and abortion. Um, we had a racial resentment scale, liberal conservative ideology, and the usual socio-demographics, gender, age, education, income, and race, ethnicity. Uh, we used a multinomial logit analysis, uh, vote Clinton, vote Trump, and non-voter with voting Trump as the reference category. What we get is some interesting figures. I'm going to go back a little bit here to, to some descriptives. Um, if you notice, what we see here is a little bit larger uh, gender gap 
than what is found in the exit polls. Um, the exit polls for CNN and, um, and the New York Times estimated uh, the, uh, the gender gap in the election at roughly uh, 12 and 13 percent. We are finding in the differencing between these two figures, uh, 19 percent for Clinton, uh, I believe it's 16 percent if you look at it for Trump. So we're finding slightly larger effects in this, uh, this sample. White win, uh, women, white men, there's a surprising factor, uh, although this has been pre previously reported in the press, that uh, Clinton did not win the white women vote uh, by as large a margin as she needed to do uh, in order to win the election. If you look, of course, at the minority men and the minority women, you see substantial gaps. Um, in this particular slide, the uh, progressive attitudes are cross-hatched, and uh, we, we've averaged out the attitudes towards women on these six questions. Um, the progressive attitude shows up at 52%, and look at the traditionalist average, just 27%. Um, again, women easily promoted is one where we find a traditionalist uh, uh, a dominance there and uh, also in equality between the, the sexes. The other four questions showed up with progressive attitudes in the majority. The role of gender, or progressive attitudes towards women's role by gender. Um, equality between the sexes, as you can see, uh, has a pretty good um, spread here. Uh, be good wives and mother, the disagreement is relatively small. And that's the only one that we really don't find uh, much of a gap there. These are the progressives. These are not the traditionalists mixed in here. Um, average for men, 42%. Average for women, 63%. 42% is uh, a pretty good uh, uh, average in terms of, uh, uh, or at least in our opinion, is a pretty good uh, average that we would see for progressive male attitudes. Voting for Clinton and Trump among those with traditionalist attitudes. Um, this is broken down by the vote for Trump and uh, Clinton. And as you can see in each case, uh, the, the vote is strongly for Trump. And here is the result of the multinomial logit analysis. So basically what we have is st statistically significant um, variables of Clinton image, Trump image, um, party ID is not particularly, uh, is not significant in this uh, thing, uh, in this particular analysis. Obama issue performance uh, does show up as significant, but here is of course what we were looking for. Um, the six woman uh, attitudes index shows up, uh, the progressive attitudes toward women are a predictor of Clinton vote and they are significant. Um, the rest of these, I believe, are all, um, with the exception of age squared, are all non-significant. Um, here, here we're basically charting the uh, change in the probability of voting uh, from uh, uh, minus two standard deviations to plus two around the mean, and as you can see, there are significant uh, change of roughly 45 percent. 
So uh, in order to determine the robustness, we, we ran a number. I don't, Harold must, uh, must have a lot of time is all I got to say. Um, he ran the rival models. He ran all 65,536. Uh, unfortunately, when he sent me the, uh, the, the, the files, he did not send me the state, state of do file. I, I really wanted to see what, what this was about and, and replicate it. Um, basically, what we see is 100% of the coefficients um, for women attitudes variables uh, are properly signed, and 97% of them are significant. 65,000? Um, and here's a, basically a, a, a graph of, of what we've got in terms of the size of coefficients across all of those rival models. Um, as you can see, it's got a little bit of a tail out there towards the, uh, towards the right. So the other big thing we wanted to see was, was there interaction between um, gender and the attitudes towards women's role? Uh, and so what we did was uh, use this uh, nonlinear discrete choice models, uh, uh, I and Norton. Uh, were, were the basis for this. What we find is um, interaction effects that vary in direction, size, and significance, uh, depending on all the values for the predictors, but virtually no evidence of significance um, with a two-tailed test. Um, this is a plot of all the individual um, interaction effects, and as you can see, only about three of them exceed uh, the 95% uh, confidence interval. Those would be the significant ones. Oops. So here are distributions of feelings about Clinton and Trump on an 11-point like-dislike series. Um, gee, what does this say? I guess there were not uh, very many people uh, that, that uh, you know, you're getting 35, 36% on the uh, basically on the really dislike for each candidate. So basically this confirms what we already know about the election, that this was uh, widely said that this was the worst choice uh, um, politically in, in uh, what, 200 years? I don't know. Um, you, you, you can guess, since, at least since uh, 1932. Uh, but basically we see this here with the, the high dislikes for both candidates. So here are the feelings uh, about Clinton and Trump by gender. Um, as you can see, uh, this was an 11-point like-dislike scale. The men uh, for Clinton, 3.1 average score, 3.8 for Trump. So Trump has the edge with, with, uh, with men. Uh, you look at it uh, on the other side, on the right-hand side, and you see 4.6 average uh, uh, like-dislike and uh, for, for Clinton, and three for uh, Trump. So we, we see the edges that we expect. The other thing that, that we do in, in, these, uh, in, in multiple national election uh, surveys is, is measure uh, the traits that contribute to candidate image. And the way we, we generally do this um, honesty, dishonesty, responsiveness, unresponsiveness, these are paired basically. Trustworthiness and untrustworthiness and incompetence and incompetence. This is something that uh, Harold has used in Canada uh, in uh, British election study and in his American studies. Um, what you can see here is some very interesting things. 
Um, Hillary Clinton is both, both ranked lower in honesty and higher in dishonesty, but by marginal uh, numbers. Um, but, wow. I mean, that, that's, that sort of, to me, is a wow thing. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't believe this when I first saw it. Uh, but look also at trustworthiness. I think this was widely reported, that, high, that Hillary Clinton's high numbers, uh, high negatives, really did translate uh, into uh, a trustworthy score that was not so much lower than Trump's and basically was the same figure in untrustworthiness. Now, incompetence, she holds a, a, a very good uh, edge there, and also in responsiveness. So these paired uh, uh, variables basically show that this was, uh, when it came to trustworthiness and honesty, Hillary Clinton had some problems with the electorate. So indirect effects, uh, we put these into an OLS regression analysis with the dependent variable being the women's uh, attitudes index. And what we found was that Clinton's, um, Clinton's uh, components of her image were basically not significant with the acceptance, uh, exception of competence. Uh, so there are very little um, evidence that attitudes towards women's roles and status has affected Clinton. Just the opposite with Trump. First of all, you see that the competence is not significant, but the other variables were. Um, so we see this as substantial evidence that attitudes towards women's roles and statuses affected Donald Trump's images, and so was carried uh, indirectly through uh, into the, uh, the voter choice. So basic conclusions. Let's put them all up at once. Um, the attitudes towards women's roles and statuses, a majority of the, uh, the respondents in this survey had progressive attitudes. Our multivariate analysis showed that progressive attitudes towards women's roles have significant effects on the probability of voting for Clinton, as long as you control for all the usual suspects. The results were robust. The effects were quite large. Uh, um, the Z-score score showed that we were, we were far out there. Um, in the tails. There are indirect effects via Trump's image, but no evidence of gender, gender interactions. Um, so basically our, our conclusions are attitudes towards women's roles influence voting in the 2016 presidential election, and both Clinton and Trump have hugely negative images. Um, Harold did not provide me with the, uh, the data on this, uh, but I looked it up in some of the literature. Clinton is in fact, only slightly more popular than Sarah Palin was in 2008. Um, so, a couple other things here. Did the traditionalist attitudes towards women's roles and standards uh, cost Hillary the election, as, as she has suggested? A majority of the, the group, uh, of the respondents in this particular sample had somewhat or very progressive attitudes towards women's roles and statuses. So, Hillary is right. If the remainder had been more progressive, she would have won. But that's almost a so what, you know, uh, that's not the electorate. But also recall that Hillary Clinton tweeted, Mr. Trump accused me of playing the woman card. Well, if fighting for women's health care and paid family leave and equal pay is playing, with, uh, playing the woman's card, then deal me in. She said this in, I believe, April 
of 2016. She was priming the electorate. She knew that, or at least we think that she knew, that this would be an, an issue that actually would pull votes toward her. And what we think we've seen here is that by priming women's issues, Hillary raised the salience of the issues and thus closed the gap. So Trump following her around in the, the debate, uh, Trump's many statements about women uh, did not really hurt Hillary Clinton so much as it, as it marginally helped her. So imagine a counterfactual where uh, she and the media had declined to play the, the sexism part, which she have had a better chance of winning. Uh, well, maybe not. Um, we are mixing some data here. These, these are ANES uh, from the previous elections. The likability um, scores for 2008, 2012, 2016. Uh, Obama, 2008, 5.1. Uh, it, it, you know, it's a toss-up election, so you don't expect to, to see real high scores. 5.0 in 2012. Here's Hillary Clinton, 3.9. McCain, 5.1. Trump today, 3.4. Um, so yes, this would predict that Hillary Clinton might have had an edge and should have won. But here's, of course, the one that gets me. Well, Romney at 4.3. What if the other Republican candidates in 2016 had run against Hillary Clinton? Would the margin have been closer or greater? Um, Harold and I debate this. I sometimes think maybe it's probably that it would not have been as close, that Clinton had too many high negatives and, and was going down. Um, but, you know, this is speculation, right? A um, couple other things. Uh, you know, as so I started with uh, Hillary Clinton's I'm with her button, um, she made many mistakes, and she concedes this in her book. Um, one, of, one of the mistakes she does not address is the problem of these two slogans. Stronger together, uh, it sounds very, very good. But if you go back to the front, get up there. I'm with her. What's wrong with that? I have a theory about that one as a professional communicator for my first career, I'm with her is basically saying it's about the candidate. If you listen to what Donald Trump was saying, whether you agreed with him or not, whether you believed him or not, he was repeatedly saying to the electorate, I'm with you. And this actually could make a significant difference, at least from a communication standpoint. I don't, whoops back there. Well, I'm trying to get down to the bottom here because uh, I'm supposed to um, imitate uh, John Sides and, and, and uh, how do I get this up? Does anybody know? Oh, just fully expand. I'm still in a book for Harold, okay? <laughs> Thank you. 
Reference, a final thought, if you're tired of US politics and would like to visit the UK, we have just the thing for you. Harold's book on Brexit. Okay? Good. I felt like I did my shilling. All right. Well, thanks for that fascinating presentation, and thanks, everyone, for coming out on a Saturday morning. Um, my four-year-old woke me up at 6.30 with Paw Patrol blasting on the TV, and I'm struggling to get that song out of my head. I will not sing it for you um, because I'm a nice guy. But misery does love, does love company, so I'm tempted. Um, this was a great paper. It's uh, a welcome uh, contribution, something that we heard a lot about through the campaign and yet kind of surprisingly haven't heard as much about in the uh, statistical analyses uh, of the election. I had a couple questions about it, and I didn't have any major uh, contribution, uh, uh, critiques of it because I think the design is fairly straightforward. Um, one question I had was what happened if you, if you were to utilize a different reference group? Uh, the reference group utilized is Trump vote, uh, but my office mate and colleague John Green has found that some of the difference that we see is a choice between deciding to vote for uh, Clinton or Trump versus not voting at all. Um, and that in some cases that's what the deciding choice is. And so with a different reference group, I'd be curious to see if the effect became stronger um, or weaker. In other words, maybe people who were neutral decided just to stay home. The second question, and this I think is, if, if there is a critique of this, it's probably the, the largest one, which is the linearity of the scale. Obviously, anytime you're building a scale, um, the way you do it is going to be problematic, especially a seven-point scale. And so here is kind of an underlying assumption that every tick you go up the scale, um, it causes a similar change in the probability of voting for Clinton or Trump. And I wonder how reasonable of an assumption that really is. The, the first couple points from neutrality probably make a big difference in whether you vote for Hillary or vote for Trump. But that last tick from, say, a six on the scale to a seven on the scale, I, I wonder if it really makes that big a difference. One way this could be addressed would be to run the different, um, one way it could be addressed would be to run the different things one at a time and see if they each have equal steps. And then there's ha there has to be some way to figure out, like, the cumulative uh, affect how you work that out. Where this becomes potentially problematic, um, I have a very strong prior that, you know, ultimately this is some, some sort of stand-in for ideology. Um, and if the various ideology metrics aren't linear but have different slopes, it's, in reality they aren't linear but they have different slopes. What could be happening is that, you know, you run the ideology, uh, the ideology metric and you get a line that tries to approximate what's really a curve. And then you put in this other thing that kind of is basically soaking up whatever the variance is that's left over from that imperfect ideology metric. So I think running different, um, different uh, polynomial models in effect, uh, I'd be curious whether the effect remained robust with that.